Wow, man, come on. That's going to be great. We are starting a new series today called The Word. And before I jump into that, I wanted to um, just give kind of one little, I guess, explanation about the class I'm teaching. Uh, I am so excited. We are going to be ordaining some pastors into ministry later this year. It is one of the joys of my heart. And part of our cohort, the cohort of pastors that will be ordained, two of them are ladies. And I know that there are maybe questions around, okay, what role do women play in churches? And and what does the Bible say about that? It's been a journey that I've been on for years. And I wanted to take um, the opportunity just to have the church take a class if you're interested in that topic to kind of walk with me through that. And I'm not even promising how many weeks this is going to be. I'm kind of letting that be open-ended. It might be a, a spring and then maybe a fall class. I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm excited about that class. So I just wanted you all to know what that class was about. There's sign-ups in the lobby, um, but there's, I'm excited about all the classes we're teaching. So a lot coming up for us, and it'll be near the end of, of uh, January. I want to think about um, the year 2023 for a minute, okay? The year 2023. Does anybody else feel like that is not real? Like, we're not really in 2023? Like, I feel like it's the beginning of like a, of a sci-fi movie. It's like, the year 2023, you know? It's like, I don't know why 2022 didn't like have that effect on me, but for some reason, 2023 feels like it's the future. And I don't know if I'm really in that future. I don't know if I need to see somebody about that, but I'm just like, this is just like, really, are we really in 2023? I don't know when I was a little boy thinking about that far off year. Now here we are. Um, But you know, what's true. It's like every new year that we experience, every year that we jump into, Right? We know that these years bring new opportunities for us, right? And some of us, we, we hit the year with a lot of like resolve. Like I'm gonna make these decisions. I'm gonna walk, you know, kind of some new habits out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some choices, right? Um, others of us are a little more jaded. Like we've had a lot of years and we're like, you know what? I'm not even doing that because I never keep these resolutions anyway, you know? And we all have different approaches. Um, but here's the truth, right? No matter what, no matter how you approach the new year, Um, The fact is, right, that every year you face will force you to make choices, right? And honestly, the choices we make ultimately make us. And so if if I'm being honest for for a second here, just with you just kind of laying my cards on the table, I'm really concerned that we as a community have God's wisdom to make good choices, Right, that, that we don't just kind of, kind of walk into this year with our own kind of wisdom and kind of like, what do I think? But honestly, as Jesus followers, we want to be clear that we, we take our, our orders and our, our, our direction from, from Jesus, right? That, that God's word, right, that it gets to impact how we make those choices. And so um, we decided that we would start this year off with this series called The Word, and it's, it's for that explicit, you know, purpose that we want to just bring our attention around this idea that as a Jesus follower, as a community of Jesus followers, our lives should be shaped by the story of scripture, right? That we should see scripture as this invitation, right? To see life in a different way and to, and, and to therefore live out our lives in a different way. So we're gonna spend four weeks and we're gonna look at why scripture needs to play this role, how it plays this role, and and maybe what are some roadblocks or some barriers that keep scripture from really playing that really important, you know, instructional role in our life. 
And so uh, today I want to just kind of lay the groundwork for this series. And there is one thing, though, that I think is possibly in the way for some of us. And it's honestly, <laughs> it is the Bible, okay? Um, let me just kind of ask you a question, right? If, when you think about the Bible, like, and I don't want like the, the good church answer here, okay? I want your real answer, okay? You don't have to shout it out, but just think about it, right? When you think about the Bible, what comes to your mind? Uh, what, what, what is it that comes to your mind when you think about the Bible? And what I just said, right? like the Bible needs to be um, what guides your decision-making, your thinking. Like the scripture, the story of scripture needs to be a story that you're invited into and that you walk out of. Right? But when you think about the Bible, like, what are the things that comes to mind? I think for some of us, it's an intimidating book, right? It's, a, it's well, it's, you know, this is about two inches thick, right? It's, it's, this, it's this big, big daunting book. And for, for maybe you or me, you can think about it as like, I, I just, man, I, I'm not a reader. Anybody not a reader in the room? <laughs> like, I, I mean, not only are you not a reader, I'm definitely not a reader of big books, right? I mean, you probably don't have War and Peace sitting on your nightstand, you know? I don't know if you do or not. But, you know, if you're a reader at all, it's probably like what's on some kind of, you know, internet feed or whatever. But the truth is, like sitting down and reading a big, thick book at, right off the gate is a little intimidating for you. And then when you look at the the Bible story itself, it's confusing, really. I mean, if J.K. Rowling used the outline that the Bible has, right, for, for some of her, her books, no publisher would have picked it up. I mean, because it's, it's like, okay, what is this thing, right? It starts off like in Genesis, right? It starts off with uh, some stories that, that, okay, I can get, I can, yeah, I could, the story of creation, Adam and Eve, I can follow that. You know, pretty soon Noah's flood, and then, and then the story of Abraham. So I'm kind of narrative. I can follow these stories, right? It, it ends really well with like the story of Joseph. I really like the story of Joseph. If you've read it, you know, that's a really intriguing book. I mean, there's, you know, Joseph running away from Potiphar's wife. I mean, all this stuff that makes a good story, right? Um, and then you get into the next book, Exodus. And yeah, it's Israel being delivered from the bondage of Egypt. And it's let my people go. And, you know, but then it slows way down, right? Like it's page after page of old laws that you're like, what do these have to do with me today? Like I am about to pull my hair out. I have no idea why I cannot eat like, like um, that with that or I can't wear that kind of clothes. I mean, like what is going on, right? In, in the, this part of the Bible. And if you push through, you, you get into the conquest of, of Canaan and, and even there you're like, God, what are you saying? Like, are they, they're supposed to do what, right? God's commanding Israel to do what? Like, and so there's times in scripture where there's, there's just a lot of confusion. Like, what is this book? Maybe you started in the New Testament. And yeah, you start with Matthew. And the very first three verses look like kind of like an ancient form of ancestry.com. And you're like, okay, whatever. But then you get to the life of Jesus, right? And you're like, okay, I am... I am captivated by Jesus. Like, I, I mean, you might not even be a Jesus follower, but you read those gospel stories of Jesus and you think there is something about Jesus I just cannot dismiss. He is, he is captivating, right? So you read the gospels and you feel in, okay, I can get this. Then you get to the book of Acts and that's a story of, of these disciples of Jesus, these guys of, that were like from nowheresville and they take the message of Jesus with such courage 
because they know that he's risen from the dead. I'm going to stop preaching about that, you know? And they're like not even afraid of anybody because they have this invincible hope that Jesus has defeated the grave, right? And they take that message to the end of the Roman Empire. And so you can follow Acts and you're like, okay, I get that. But then after Acts, you're like, okay, wait, now we're just reading some old letters, right? Like, I don't get this. Like we're reading letters to people who died a long time ago and why is that important? And then to top it all off, we end with Revelation, right? And there ain't nobody who understands that one, right? So you're just like, okay, Brad, you're telling me that this is supposed to be the thing that, that guides my decision-making. But if I'm being honest, like there's so much about it that's, that's, that's complicated and I don't get it. And so I wanted to start there because I want, to, I want you to know that I understand where that, where that feeling is. I've been there, right? I've struggled through that. But I want to also make a point. Regardless of, of maybe the complexity and the seeming paradoxes and you're like trying to put it all together about the Bible, here's something that's also true. The book is powerful. It's, it's, there's something to it that's, that's honestly undeniable. In fact, there is a study done uh, in 2022 by the American Bible Association, and they wanted to look at how biblically engaged people did in life overall compared to people who don't read the Bible at all. So they studied uh, human well-being. They studied in lots of areas. I actually put the uh, entire report on the, on the lineup. And so later on, you can, you can look at that. But here's, the, here's basically what they looked at. They said, okay, how does people, how does it actually, at the end of the day, how does it actually cash out for people who read the Bible regularly, who engage with scripture regularly? How does their life, how is their life affected by that versus people who aren't? And there were, they used the Harvard University Human Flourishing Index. And there's about six different ways they measure human flourishing, Harvard University. Five out of the six those who regularly engage with scripture scored nearly 20 points higher on that human flourishing index. The only one that there really wasn't any major difference was uh, financial well-being. So I guess if you read the Bible, it really doesn't help you get any more wealthy. So if you believe that prosperity gospel thing, it's, it's not true, okay? <laughs> but here's the point. Look at this one. Look at life satisfaction and happiness. Um, Look at this, over 80% of those who regularly engage with scripture would indicate that they feel overall a, a high well-being in life satisfaction and happiness. But this one was even more interesting, meaning and purpose. All humans desire that meaning and purpose. Like what is, what is the point of my life? What am I doing? Those who regularly engage with scripture, almost 90% comparatively to those who don't read scripture at all. In fact, they found that that people who regularly engage with scripture enjoy a 32% less anxious life than those who don't. And, and those who deal with traumatic experiences, those who have been regularly engaging with scripture navigate life's trauma much better than those who don't. In fact, in just about every category, right, except for the financial well-being one, right, um, those who regularly engage with scripture just kind of live better lives. And that, that's fascinating, right? But it's not magic, and I want to make sure that's clear. It's not like, okay, so in the morning, if I just kind of rub the magic rabbit foot, you know, I, before I head off to work, uh, it, life will go better. That, that doesn't change you at all, actually, right? It's not just reading scripture. 
but it's engaging with the story of Scripture. It's, it's, it's seeing Scripture as an invitation into a different way of life, a different way of thinking. In fact, not only does it affect people's well-being like today, the other thing about Scripture that's undeniable is the impact that the Bible has had upon culture over time. In fact, um, we talked a minute ago, uh, Tyler taking a, a mission team up to Utah, and in that case, right, people used scripture and they used Jesus and they used it in, you know, for the wrong reasons in the wrong ways. And there's always that happening. But overall, whenever missionaries has, have, have entered a culture and brought the truth of scripture, things have changed in that culture for the better. In fact, there's a, there's a historian, his name is Tom Holland. And no, it's not Spider-Man, okay? Um, Tom Holland, he, uh, he, he's in the UK and, and he's a, kind of a secular author. He doesn't profess to be a Christian. Um, in fact, at one point, I think he did say he was an atheist, but actually there's been a pretty significant movement in his life toward God, toward Jesus in particular. Now, Tom Holland was a, was a historian, and he said, the, the more I studied ancient cultures, the more I studied the cultures of Rome and Greece and Babylon and, and, and Egypt, the more I felt such a, an alien strangeness to those cultures. I mean, everything that I value, he said, everything that I just believe is right, they didn't share. We had nothing in common. In fact, the entire cultures were based on slave labor. All the achievements that we look at and we marvel at with the Roman Empire, they're all on the backs of slaves. No human rights. Women are completely disregarded. No, no, no idea that there should be equal treatment under the law. There's just this complete like break between the ancient world and the modern world. And Holland says, man, where did we get all these moral intuitions? Where did we get this idea that human rights are just kind of self-evident because they're not self-evident? In fact, he says this, look, look at this quote. He says, we are all heirs to the same revolution, a revolution that has at its molten heart the image of a God dead on the cross. Holland says, guys, whether you've never darkened a church, whether you've never once, and he's talking about the UK and they're, and they're very secular. He goes, every one of us have inherited the values, the moral intuitions, and the things that we cherish from Jesus Christ, not Caesar. And so Holland is making this observation. And he says, you know, so those that like rail against the church and they, they call out all this, they literally are cutting the very branch that they're sitting on. In fact, I would say, guys, we are all inheritors of a spiritual heritage given to us by our fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers. The truth of the matter is, in our post-Christian America today, we're like trust fund babies, squandering the wealth and legacy of our ancestors, not recognizing all that has come before us to give us what we enjoy today. Because here's the truth. Biblical engagement is on the decline in our country. People are becoming less and less acquainted with scripture and less and less aware that everything we value in this nation comes from the teachings and the impact of Jesus Christ. That's the truth. And so uh, as, as we get into this, this series on the word, I'm, I'm, I, wanna, I wanna just help us understand, like this is critical that we understand the heritage, of, uh, the heritage of scripture and that we as a people, right, that we say, look, I'm gonna let scripture and the story of scripture shape 
my decisions. Because, you know, I can't change America, I can't change the world, but I can try to lead this congregation, right? I can encourage us as a people to look at Scripture and to say, okay, I'm going to let Scripture and the story of Scripture order my steps. I'm going to let, like we sang earlier, the Word of God be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So I want to I start today, and, and I want to um, kind of start with just one really simple idea that I think will be really important for the next three sermons after this one. And it's, it's this. It's, it's, it's a really simple idea, but I think it's going to help us going forward, and it's simply this. What I think shapes me. Whatever I think about shapes me. The more I think about it, the more it shapes me, right? And so I'm going to talk about this idea that what I think about shapes me. And I want to look at what Jesus says specifically about that. Because every one of us, whether we realize it or not, are being shaped, our decisions are being directed by the things that we can keep in front of our minds. So let's look at this. This is in Matthew chapter 6. Can you guys see this? It seems a little, I don't know. I'm going to turn it just a bit so I can see it better. Hopefully that's okay. Here it is. Look what he says. It says, don't store up treasures um, here on earth. Jesus is saying this. Where moth and rust, or moths eat them and, just, and rust destroys them. He, he goes on, he says, and where thieves break in and steal. He goes on, he says, store your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And then here is the the operative part of this, of this passage. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, there will the desires of your heart also be. In this passage, Jesus is explaining something about human nature. He's taking something that we probably all kind of understand. We all know this, maybe in the back of our minds, and he's bringing this to the front of our minds. He isn't really revealing something you've never thought about before. You've probably heard this or thought about this before, but Jesus is bringing this to us for a specific reason. And here's his main point. Whatever whatever is your treasure, right, has your heart. Whatever you say, man, this is important to me. That just is, that is the thing that I live for. That, that, that is like really important to me. That has your heart. I remember when I, when I first became a dad, right? And if you're a parent in the room, you know what I'm going to say, right? Is you go like one day you're not a parent and the next day there's this like little life and they're like, here's your, here's your daughter, right? And my daughter's in the room. I think she is, or she, she escaped, right? I don't know where she's at. But I remember when, when Taryn, I was just like, oh my, I've never felt this before, right? You know this, parents, right? And somebody said parenthood is like, like your heart leaving your chest and growing two little legs and starting to run all around, right? Like that's parenthood, right? You're just like, oh, and, and, you, and I don't know about you, but all of these anxieties that I didn't even know I had started to surface, right? Like I did not realize I was an anxious person. I now realize I really was, but parenthood like really surfaced that. I was like, oh my gosh, is she still alive? Is she still breathing? My, my wife would be like, Brad, she's breathing just like she was 30 seconds ago. Like stop checking on her. You're, leave her alone, right? But that, I just couldn't help it because Taryn was my treasure and she... Dude, she had my heart. She, I mean, they talk about little girls having their dads wrapped around their fingers. Yes, that is absolutely true. 
right? So, I mean, this idea of what Jesus is saying is like, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. That's pretty obvious, right? Like every parent knows that. Anyone that's like pursuing a dream and that's like, oh man, I just, that's what I can't stop thinking about. Obviously, yes, that's where your, your heart's at also. But there's something that Jesus is pointing out here that I want to make sure is clear to you. Jesus, in this passage, is assuming something that maybe you're not as aware of. And that's this. You get to choose your treasure. You get to pick what your treasure is. Because wherever your treasure is, that's going to have your heart. And Jesus was saying a minute ago, look, don't put your treasure here on earth where it can get destroyed by moth and rust and all the rest. Instead, lay up treasure in heaven. It's a kind of a, a metaphor for, hey, value my kingdom, right? Make, it, make my kingdom your treasure. Therefore, what you treasure is in heaven safe. And that's also where your heart's going to be. Pick the right treasure. That's really important. Pick the right treasure. And Jesus goes on and he says something that's less clear. This is going to take a little more teaching, so hang with me on this. He says this, your eye, he switches metaphors here. He says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your whole body. So if you were blind, right, you would not have any light entering into your body, right? So Jesus says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? Now, if you took this too literally, you'd think Jesus is all of a sudden talking about you need to go see an ophthalmologist or something, right? Like he's talking about your eyes and eye disease or something. No, he's not. He, it's a metaphor. He's like, look, I just talked about picking the right treasure. I just said, look, whatever has your treasure has your heart. So choose wisely, right? Now I'm going to kind of switch metaphors. That's the context. Here's the explanation. Your eyes are seeing whatever has been influenced by your treasure. And if you have the wrong treasure, your eyes are going to see the wrong things. Your eye is unhealthy. If you see the right, if you have the right treasure, right, if you have the correct treasure, then your eye is going to see clearly. And here's the problem, though. Over time, the more I go down this road, right, the more I just kind of allow the wrong treasure to be the thing that's at the center of my being and that has my heart, the longer I stay in that state, pretty soon when I look through my eyes that are affected by that wrong treasure, I think I actually see, but actually it's not light, it's darkness. And what Jesus is saying, how deep is that darkness? How hopeless is that situation? When you and I have been so affected by the wrong treasure and that's so ordered our desires in the wrong direction and we have just so, become so habituated in that way, I literally don't even see that what I'm doing is off. That's why some of us wonder, like, how did they get to that point? You know, you hear about these terrible crimes that are committed or these terrible things or, or a guy who just leaves his whole family and runs off with somebody else. And you're like, wow, how did you, why? Why did you do that? Like, what was, what was, well, listen, look, guy, 
if you have the wrong treasure, right, eventually downstream of that will be the wrong choices. And so here's the point. I'm transformed by what I treasure. Again, guys, that's just a fact. You don't have to be a Jesus follower to understand that. That's just a fact. If all I treasure is financial stability, and that's my most important value, every decision is downstream of that treasure. And I'm going to make all kinds of choices around trying to keep myself financially stable. And that might mean a whole lot of extra hours I really don't need to be taken and a whole lot of decisions that aren't really best for my life or my family. But my value is my financial stability. And so downstream of that are all my choices. Are you guys with me this morning? What I treasure transforms me. Whatever I treasure transforms me. That's why if we have the wrong treasure, we're being formed in the wrong way. We're going the wrong direction. Jesus has a lot to say about our hearts. Look what else he says. This is in Mark. Jesus, uh, I like how this sets up. Jesus says, Jesus called the crowd to come and hear him. And, 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 and this is like one of those moments where you see Jesus like really <laughs> like being cl- like extra clear. He's like, all of you listen. <laughs> it's like, what I'm about to say is really important. Will you all listen, right? He said, and try to understand this. The context is that this, the, the disciples and others were being criticized by the religious leaders because people were eating without washing their hands. And the religious leaders were like, and it had nothing to do with germs. It had a, about following the law of Moses. And so they were so concerned that we weren't following the law of Moses right that they had no focus on what was really important. And again, wrong treasure, right? Look what Jesus says. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled, but what comes out of your heart. He then added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness, all these vile things come from within and they are what defile you. Guys, Jesus is saying, listen, if you have the wrong treasure and that has your heart's desire and that's what's coming into you, eventually the garbage that comes into you, garbage in what? Garbage out. Man, if, 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 if one of your treasures, and you probably wouldn't say this to anyone, but if you're honest with you and God, you, you admit this, man, I just, I treasured like sensual pleasure and you fantasize about sexual, you know, whatever, right? And that's, and you're watching explicit material or whatever. Listen, that is the treasure of you, of your life. And that's the desire of your heart downstream from that. Yeah, I, I fantasize long enough and then I'm in the affair eventually. I, I, I make those decisions to treasure the wrong things and the eye that's supposed to keep me seen clearly is so affected by that. My stigmatism is so off that now I think what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong. And I make choices downstream of that all because I'm transformed by what I treasure. Man, this is so key. This is so critical to everything. That's why what I'm saying is, guys, it's so important that we as Jesus followers, if you're not a Jesus follower in here, let me just explain this to you. Like, we believe that Jesus actually conquered death. Like, I know that sounds crazy, right? But we actually believe that Jesus was publicly crucified on a cross 
And three days later, he actually uh, defeated death. And so if a guy knows how to do that, I'm, I'm listening to him, right? You with me on that? Like if Jesus can, can pull that off and there ain't nobody else I know that can do that, I'm listening to what Jesus says. And Jesus says this, Brad, put your name there. Here's the truth. If you don't treasure me, if you don't treasure what I'm offering you, your life's gonna be off. You were made for so much more. I've got such a beautiful plan for your life. And the thing is, if you aren't treasuring what I want you to treasure, right? If it's not really in, inside of you, like, God, I'm hungering for you. I'm thirsting for you. God, I, I believe that the Jesus who died on that cross and rose again is alive right now. And that when I open scripture up, right? I'm like, Jesus, speak to your servant. Just like Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant hears you right? And now you start to see scripture in light of like the story that God has for you. You go to work and you're like, man, this morning I read about how I'm supposed to love my enemies. And then there's Billy Bob at work. <laughs> I don't know. There's no Billy Bobs, right? And you're just like, I don't like Billy Bob. And I don't think he likes me. But I'm reading in scripture how it says, man, to turn the other cheek it talks, about, it talks about forgiving someone 70 times what, class? Seven. You mean, she, my wife did that again? I'm supposed to, yes. Yes. Hey, I'm supposed to lay down my life like Jesus laid down his life for my, how would that change our marriages, church? If we legit took scripture as, as really God's word for us, not an option or suggestion. But like legit, the king told me to love my wife in a selfless way where I literally lay down my life for her like Jesus laid down his life for us. That's Ephesians chapter five if you want to read it later. Okay, you with me? Right, like if that was how we, and, and honestly, if I so treasured Jesus and so was hungry for Jesus's words to me, that when I read scripture, it wasn't a, a thing to check off in the morning, but it was really like a meeting with Jesus, right? And I'm reading with my friends and I'm doing this together. We're gonna talk about that next week. And together we're talking about scripture and I'm learning from each other as the spirit of God moves in a body. Man, I'm getting excited right now because I would not know what I need to know if you weren't there to tell me because God speaks through us together, not just me alone. Another sermon for another day, but you with me on that? And if we took it that way, how would this world change? How would your world change? Man, I, I, I'm just telling you, there's so much hope for 2023 because we have a God who's defeated the grave and he's willing to take us in. <laughs> Guys, who's excited that God is willing to take you in? <laughs> I'm glad, thank you. After all the stuff that I've done and the person that I am without him, I'm so glad he's willing to take me in. <laughs> and that might be where some of you sit right now. I mean, if I'm being real, some of you might be like, Brad, that sounds great. But if I'm being real honest with you, I think I've had the wrong treasure in the throne room of my heart for too long. I don't know if there's hope for me. My heart is kind of hardened. 
Truth is, I've made a lot of choices that I'm not proud of. And honestly, some of my choices are so like guilt-inducing and shame-inducing that, that I actually have done other things to kind of cover up for those things. So I actually have all kinds of patterns and, and habits that I do to try to kind of numb the pain because I don't want to think about it, to be honest with you. A lot of those, it's a terrible snowball effect. And I want to talk to you this morning. I got really good news for you. God loves you right where you are. Not where you want to be, not where you think you should have been, not where, honestly, had you not made those choices, you would, have be, you would be. He, like, he loves you right where you are right now. And he's willing to encounter you right where you are right now. God is not the kind of God that says, listen, you meet this high standard and then we'll talk. You get your life all together and cleaned up and then we can have a relationship. That is not how God works. In fact, Jesus, I think, had a special, he was just like exceptionally more excited about people who are so far away from God than he was even those who felt like they were closer. Like when Jesus meets Matthew, I just think he's so excited because Matthew's this like despised tax collector. He's like, dude, I'm gonna talk to a tax collector today. Nobody likes him. I love that kind of guy. Like, I think that's Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, because if I can tell the world I love Matthew, then the world will know I love them. Because I love people no matter where they sit in the social hierarchy, what they think about themselves. I want you to see what Jesus says. This is in the book of John. <clears throat> Am I off there? Yeah, look what he says. He says, to the Jews who have believed in him, he says this, if you hold to my teaching." You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. Look, and the truth will do what? Set you free. He's talking about his word, church. He says, listen, hold my word. Hold it. Let it sink in. Let it be your treasure. Let it be the thing that you think through. And if you really do that, you will really be my disciples. Not just say you're my disciples, not just check the box on a form. Yeah, I'm a Christian. No, I'm actually a disciple of Jesus because I'm one of those people who've made a choice to hold to the scripture. And he says, and if you do that, I will set you free. So if you're sitting there this morning and thinking, man, I've just had a life of bad choices and I really don't know how there'd be a way out. I don't want to get my hopes up for 2023. Listen, your hope is not in yourself and your ability to improve in 2023. Your hope, come on, is in the guy who broke the bars of sin and death. That's who your hope is in. It's not in your ability. It's in Christ's ability. It's in your simple surrender to the one who is strong enough. That's where your hope is at. So if you're thinking, I tried that before. I've tried this before. Listen, that's not where your hope is at anyway. If you said, look, I'm just going to get on this train of really working hard on my habits for 2023. Yeah, I'll give you till February if you're really disciplined. But if you give your life to the living Jesus, who by his spirit transforms even the hardest heart, and you hold to his teaching, he will lead you out of darkness into light. Jesus says this in John chapter, chapter uh, 16, I think it is, 15. He says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. I want you to think about that. He's talking to his disciples. He goes, I've loved you the way the Father has loved me. And then he says, remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, 
you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And look what he says next. He says, I've told you these things so that you would be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. The, 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 the sad irony of the human race is this. If I tell you, you can do whatever you want, make any choice you want, have all the, quote, freedom you want, we inevitably end in a prison cell. The choices that we think we're freely making are driven by desires that have the wrong treasure, and we end up in prison, full of regret and shame. But if I tell you, give your life to Jesus, the true king, Surrender over to him. Give him your yes. Obey his commands. Hold on to his teaching. It ends in this destination that you wanted in the beginning, which is joy. A life full of joy. I like how the Apostle Paul kind of sums it all up. He says this in Romans chapter 12. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Look why. By changing what? The way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Your choices ultimately make you. You're transformed by what you treasure. And if you and I want to have a life in 2023 that doesn't look like anything how it started in the beginning of 2023 that happens when you hold on to the good shepherd's hand and you let him lead you into still waters you see your life as a part of a big story that God is writing a story of redemption a story that looks at this world that's broken and in rebellion and says I love you anyway and I've come to set you free What would happen, church, if every one of us in this room committed to making 2023 the year that the word of God is a lamp to our feet? What would happen to our city if we said, you know what, I'm going to live out this. I'm not just taking this as suggestion. I'm like literally going to apply scripture to my choices. I'm treasuring Jesus. And downstream from that is a whole new way of living. What would happen, do you think? What would happen in our marriages? What would happen in our community? I think East Henderson would never be the same. If the tri- I think we wouldn't have just one mission trip. Like every one of us would be on mission like every day. Like let me introduce you to Jesus because he rocks and he changes my life. Is that okay to say that? <laughs> right? Like how, how different would our life be? And I, I wanna just invite you right now into a, a commitment right now. Because we are starting a new year. And I want to give you a challenge. And I want you to just really consider this. I want you for the rest of of, uh, January to commit. I'm going to read scripture five times a day or five times a week. You can do it five times a day. That's fine. I'm going to read scripture five times a week. I'm going to find a buddy and I'm going to do it for the rest of this month. And it might be in your small group, might be with your spouse, might be with a friend, but I want you to do this together with someone else. 
That's gonna be the that's gonna be the challenge. And I want you to download a few apps. I put these in the lineup. You can look at it on the QR code if you miss it. I want you to download Bible Project. For some of you who want just overviews of books, remember I told you like at the beginning of the sermon, like, yes, it's intimidating. It's big. It's confusing. The Bible Project is so immensely helpful to helping clear up some of that. So you have the Bible Project app. The other one up there, The Chosen. Guys, we live in a time where some of the best teaching, some of the best even like movies to illustrate some of this stuff ever in history, I want you to grab your family and I want you to pick a night of the week and watch an episode of The Chosen. And if you don't understand it, like talk about it. Call your friend. I Call anyone. I will love, I love phone calls, right? Like, hey, I don't get this. Let's talk. See, it's in community you learn. I also had another one up there called the Read Scripture app. That's a Bible app that's interfaced with the Bible Project. So you can read scripture and watch your videos in order. But finally, an app every one of you need on your phone is called the YouVersion app. And I have that one up there too, the YouVersion app. There are a bazillion Bible reading plans on the YouVersion app. You go to plans on, that, on the app, navigate to there. That's where you're gonna find a plan, find some friends and do it together. Guys, can I have a stand together? I wanna, I wanna end by praying a blessing over you, but I also wanna just circle back to one central thing as we end today. With, you're just standing and you're just in a posture of prayer, so you're closing your eyes. I just wanna, I wanna say one thing before we, uh, we kind of end with a song. And that's this, I've said a lot today and maybe at some point along the way, you felt the Holy Spirit tugging your heart about something. Guys, I want you to not take the tug of the Spirit for granted. There are moments when the Spirit tugs on your heart. And there are so many more moments when we're so not even listening. But if you're in a moment and during this service, at some point, the Spirit tugged on your heart, don't take that for granted. I want you to pull on that thread. What is the Spirit saying? Some of you heard me say earlier that God loves you right where you are. That you don't have to try to clean yourself up for God to love you, but he'll love you right where you are. And he wants you to give him your life right where you are. I want to speak to you for a moment. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to make it really clear. Here's Here's the offer. Here's the invitation. God loves you. It starts there. It starts with you receiving that. Letting God love you. When those shame, when that shame or that guilt starts to rise, I want you, I want you to remember God loves you right where you are. Jesus is not disgusted by you. He doesn't turn away in embarrassment from you. He leans toward you. Right where you stand, you can respond to that love in this following way. God, I receive your love. I turn my back on all the things I've done wrong and I I ask you, God, to forgive me. I ask you to just make me new again. Give me a new start. Give me a brand new life. 
I receive Jesus. I ask him to come into my life. Jesus, I let you have the first place. I let you be king of my life. I give you my yes. I surrender to you. And right where you stand, you could pray a prayer of surrender. And the Bible says that those who call on Jesus are saved. Right where you stand, you could call on Jesus, invite him into your life. And the next time we have a baptism, you're the first one in that water because you're giving your life to King Jesus. Let me just pray for us. Father, would you just, however you spoke to us today in this brand new year, may this be the year more than any other year in our life that Jesus is King over us as a church and as a people.